Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Parenting with Impact, the podcast. And I am so excited today to invite or welcome my colleague and friend, Stephanie Pitts, who is, um, I'm so glad to have you here. And I'm so glad to have this conversation. We have known Stephanie for a number of years now. She's an educational therapist and has a master's degree in education. And she completed her certificate in educational therapy and has also been trained as an academic coach. So she works with the kids. She does masterful things with the kids. She works one-on-one and, um, you know, works with interpreting testing reports, does informal assessments, addresses remedial reading. Like you get a kid in the LA area who's struggling, you want them at some point to meet Stephanie and let her guide you in the the tactical kind of structural support kinds of things that our kids often need. You know, there's this behavioral, emotional realm that we play in for parents. And then there's there's some practical stuff we can do to help these kids, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where, where Steph really steps in. And we met her years ago because she came to us in Atlanta when we did our first professional training for the Sanity School Certification Program, where we were training, certifying, licensing professionals to bring that Sanity School into their communities. And Stephanie came out to join us and participate in that training. And we've been fast friends ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you. Um, Tell everybody a little bit about what you do with families of complex kids and how you came to do this work. You know, so I was a teacher and I was then working with a family traveling the world and teaching the kids while we traveled. And several of Okay, wait a minute. You were working as a teacher with a family traveling the world. Yes. That sounds like the best teaching gig. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I ended up helping raise those kids and there were several of them that needed educational therapy. And basically, I hadn't heard of the profession. And when an educational therapist came in to work with the kids, I thought, wait a minute, I can do that. And I was basically doing it in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah. I decided to go get certified in it and opened my own practice. And basically what I like to say is I work one-on-one with students or learners and help them learn how to learn and who they are as learners. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's by teaching them skills and strategies and really working on self-confidence. A lot of times by the time they get to me, they don't love learning anymore. And yeah. it's been kind of beaten out of them. Mm-hmm. And you've got to love learning. That's if you, we want lifelong learners. So a lot of things 
you know, it's not only the academics, but also it helps family life because there's a lot of kids that there's these big fights, as you guys know, about homework and all of the the family dynamics and all of that, right? So one of the things that we're as educational therapists, what we're doing is helping the kids know where to start, how to start, when to start. A lot of them don't know what they don't know. And when you don't know how to start on something, you avoid it and then it causes fights, right? So a lot of kids, there's these homework fights because it's too much. They're overwhelmed. They don't know what's being asked of them. They never quite understood what they were supposed to be doing to answer the question. So helping them- Or where to start. Yeah. Helping them break all that down just brings the self-confidence. And then parents say, oh, we're not having fights about homework anymore. And things are so much better. And my kid is starting to love school again and all the things. So that's basically what I do. So I have two questions. First (laughs) is kids what age? Kindergarten all the way up through adults. We have adults in grad school. That we really? work with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the difference between educational therapy and a learning specialist? So a learning specialist is somebody who might have a varying degree of training, but isn't formally trained as an educational therapist. Mm-hmm. So to be an educational therapist, we have to go through an internship and be accepted into there's two separate entities that basically say that we can be educational therapists. One of them is the Association of Educational Therapists. And how many, times can, how many times can I say educational therapy? So that's one of the ways that they differ. A lot of learning specialists are people who have varying degrees or you know, have been trained in different reading techniques and all of that kind of thing. Um, so it's really a f- one step further to be- Got it. An educational therapist. Actually be certified as as an educational therapist. Yeah. And is it covered by insurance? No. Yeah. Welcome to our world. Right. So all the best modalities uh, are covered by insurance. No. Yeah. So insurance covers mental health, all of that kind of stuff, but it doesn't cover academics. Yeah. So anything education related, not covered by insurance, unfortunately. So that's a big roadblock for a lot of people. Yeah, I understand. And I, I share, I feel your pain. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. so frustrating, because you know, you want these families to get help. And sometimes the help they need is not necessarily the help that their insurance covers. And just because it's a medical condition doesn't mean that all of the treatments for it are going to be medical or come it, from the medical realm. Exactly, exactly. Because they, it, you know, there's a lot of kids that need help and a lot of kids that don't fit the traditional mold, as do we all know. And being in school, there's so many kids that aren't, it doesn't work for them. And having outside support is really needed. And there's just a lot of kids that can't get it for a number of reasons. And this is one of the reasons why my co-host and I, Rachel Cap, we started a podcast to help parents who couldn't have access to educational therapy to learn some of the strategies that we teach and talk about. Well, that's a, a great segue. So let's talk a little bit about what do you want parents of complex kids to understand better about their kids? Like, what are, what are they missing that could help them have a different kind of and a better impact? In their the, the first thing is I honestly believe that when kids can do well, they will. Yes, so true. And no kid wants to be the failure at school. 
So the reason that they become the class clowns or they become the kids that, you know, just don't turn in homework or don't do anything or the rebel or whatever it is, whatever. Or the one with the backpacks with paper falling all over the place. Exactly. Exactly. Like the stereotypical things. It's because it's hard. Yeah. And really start asking the questions of why is it hard? The kid might not be able to answer. It could be so many different things, things having to do with ADHD as we know, but there's also things like auditory processing disorder. And so they're not hearing and processing enough, or they have slow processing and everything's going too fast at school and they can't keep up. So really digging into what's really going on and how can we help remediate and help the kid understand what they need. You can't ask... for help so unless I, you I know. Want, I want to interrupt you for a second. Let's go back yeah. because you're saying first, start with the assumption that there's a reason for the mm-hmm. behavior, mm-hmm. right? So let's mm-hmm. start by assuming that the kid needs some help with something that, that they're struggling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So so first you, you go to that step and say, okay, there's, there's a problem here. And it's not that the kid's the problem. Yep. Right. Yep. The kid is having a problem. Oh, uh-huh. we can help them with that. Yes, right. exactly. Exactly. So it could be anything from you have an older child that is struggling with comprehension mm-hmm. or reading fluency. Their reading is not up to where it should be. And we look at kids that are in middle school or high school and they're reading these novels and have to answer these essay questions that are not even questions, right? It's a paragraph, the prompt, right? The yeah. prompt doesn't ever have a question. How do you turn a prompt into a question? Those things are not usually taught, or if they are, some of these kids are just missing them because, you know, other things are going on. Because these kids are challenged, what's happening is when that was taught, they weren't ready to learn it yet. A hundred percent. Or, I mean, there's a number of reasons you can go, you know, they might have auditory processing, for instance, and they, it's not going to process correctly. Mm -hmm. So you're really looking at where the deficiencies are, where are their gaps? Mm -hmm. How can we fill in these gaps and help the kid be the best that they can? Basically, what I like to say about educational therapy is we teach kids how to hold themselves up because we shouldn't be holding them up, right? You're not going to college with your child. Right. Ideally, no. Although, you know, I'm hearing stories these days of parents (laughs) calling their kids employers, you know, corporations. Yes. yes. But now the goal here is to set them up for independence. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of different things. There's the social emotional parts of learning that we forget is even a part of learning. And that is extremely important, just as the actual two plus two equals four. So really breaking it down and seeing what the kid needs and how we can best teach to their needs is really- So let's break those two apart, right? So first you say, okay, the kid's struggling, we can help with that. Mm -hmm. The next step is to then get really clear on in what ways might this kid be struggling, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. And there mm-hmm. may be a diagnosis of some yeah. variety yeah. or may there be. may be, may not be, maybe some other emotional issues, therapeutic issues, school issues, reading issues, processing issues. There's lots of ways mm-hmm. that a kid could be struggling. Yep. So you're kind of the investigator that helps figure out what's behind it, what's underneath mm-hmm. the struggle. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we do as educational therapists is we're usually the team member that talks to all the other team members. 
and really wow. gets a sense from the teacher, from the parent, from the, a therapist of you know any type to literally you know a a medical doctor or you know we're the ones that are communicating all of this and get really get the full picture of what's going on. Other people are on the team tend to get a slice of the pie, and we're trying to get the whole pie to make sense and help the whole child. Okay, so in the old days, that might have been a social worker. Yeah. Right. And in the modern world, when we're looking at a kid's educational, social and emotional and educational learning, Mm -hmm. the educational therapist can kind of step in in a more micro way and look at what's happening with that child as as a developing human. Exactly. And I think one of the things that helps being an outside person and not the parent when talking to the teacher, we we mm-hmm. have really good relationships with the teachers because we can speak professionally and get a sense we're not invested. It's not emotionally charged the way a parent-teacher conversation might be. So, uh, you know, we're really looking at how can we support the teacher and that kid in the classroom? What does that look like? What can we do on our end to help everybody? And this is why this profession is so me, because that's what I love to do. How can I support everybody? What does it look like? What is What are the breakthrough things that we can do? This little shortcut or this little thing can make the difference of everything for some of these kids. So give an example. What's one little shortcut that has can have a really profound effect? For some kids, I know that this is not universal to all kids. No, not universal to all kids. Well, okay. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. One of the Mm -hmm. things that comes up a lot and we don't really think about is having an extra set of textbooks. Yes. (laughs) It's a simple one, isn't it? It really is. And that's the one that just popped in my head because you can get them off of Amazon used. I know they're expensive, but you can get them. Taking that off of your child's plate to have to remember which books to bring home every day and just saying, leave your books at school, unless it's like a novel where you have to annotate. But the textbooks, just have them at home. One less thing, one fewer thing that they have to like worry about. Then there's more brain space to be able to do the things that are hard. Like the kids only have so much gas in their gas tank. Let's not use it on things like remembering textbooks if we don't need to. If they have enough gas for it, sure. But a lot of kids don't. Mm-hmm. So that's so- one really little thing. Right, but it's got this huge cascading impact, and and it, that's even changing now because we've gone, we've got so many kids who are doing online textbooks now. That's true. It's true, right? which is fantastic in some ways and hard in other ways. But yeah, that's a whole other story. But you know, th- there are little things that you can do that just, you know, I was working with a kid the other day, and we were we needed to work on some grammar and some understanding of some language stuff, and. Unfortunately, sometimes I do a lot of games and you and I have had conversations about how not every kid loves games, but a lot of kids love games. Right. Well, I would say not every kid loves competition. Yes. But a lot of kids, but all kids love games. So that this is one of the ways that I, I have probably four or 500 games. I love them. The kids walk in and they just, that's the buy-in right there. They just want, even the older kids, the high school kids, I loved that game as a kid, that kind of a thing. I want to play Kerplunk. Exactly. Exactly. So, but unfortunately, sometimes you have to do a worksheet, which is not fun and not my first choice, but sometimes you have to do it. But how can you make it fun? Instead of writing the answers, I gave her colored highlighters. And I said, let's do it a different way. And she thought it was so fun. She she said to me, do you have another one? 
<laughs> and and I thought, oh my gosh, is this the same kid that would basically look at me like, I don't want to do this? Because she was playing with the colors and learning at the same time and getting to highlight things. And that's fun. Who doesn't like highlighting stuff? So it just changed everything for her. And then when she walked out, she had this big smile on her face talking about what she learned with her mom and how fun it was. And right. that's the goal. So let's make this really real. I want parents to really hear what Stephanie's saying. Fun is not only okay, fun is good. When yes. kids can play, can learn and, and think they're playing, that's the dream. It man, is. Right? It that's is. it. It really is. That's everything. And they love it. And they don't even know that they're practicing the skills. And that's what you want. Because then all of a sudden they go, oh, I know how to do that. Because they've been practicing it. Not because I've thrown a bunch of things in front of them, making Strategies. them do it over and over and over again. All the different things. So, it, it works. So what do you say to parents who say, yeah, but they're going to have to learn to be serious. They're going to have to learn to be because, you know, they can't play all the way through and they're going to have to be serious. I think some of that is I age, hear that. Yeah. I think some of that is age dependent, right? And I know a lot of parents want to teach their kids grit because it's important. However, there's going to be times in their life that they have to do things they don't want to do it. And they're going to have to get through. And whatever that looks like, I'd prefer they get through than it be that they have to do it in a very serious way. If you know how to do it, you're more likely to get through it in a way that's going to be more comfortable for you. You're going to actually do well and succeed rather than it becoming a burden. And so if you're teaching your kid, it, you can have fun, but it doesn't have to, it, it doesn't mean you're being silly. Mm -hmm. Those are two separate things. You can still have fun. I still have fun when I'm teaching kids. Does that look like I'm a goofy person all the time? No. I mean, sometimes I am, but not all the time. <laughs> right. So, Appropriately. So. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think it's really important to know the difference and teach your kids when things are appropriate. Yeah, you can't be goofing off and having fun if you're at a funeral, let's say. But if you're doing something that you need to get through for school or you need to get through for work or just doing your chores or things at home, how can we make it fun or make it a competition or make it some way that you really get the buy-in from the kid? Because if you don't, they're never going to do it. And that's a bigger problem. Well, you know, you've heard me tell the story, but it, it's just begging to come out here, right? Is this this time that, and you said not at a funeral, this was after a funeral. Okay. And we were at the house. My kids were probably 17 and down from there. So okay. somewhere between 11 and 17. And I needed them to go to the grocery store and get it out of the house so the parents could talk about something. It was right after we had, had a death in the family. And my eldest kid paused for a while, looked around, looked at the siblings and said, okay, everybody, superheroes to the grocery store. Uh, and they donned capes and leggings with boxers over the leggings. And they all went and they made this mundane trip to the grocery store I love fun. I love and, it. you know, did they look ridiculous? Absolutely. Did it get them to the grocery store with, with good cheer? Yeah. And so why not? Just Absolutely. because they're 17, should she really be too old for that? No, like, really? No, that's not inappropriate it, at all. And especially if your eldest is the one getting the other kids involved and they're going to look back and remember that and think, oh, when something is really feeling heavy and we don't want to do it, how can we make it fun? Yeah. 
And that's really, it's, it's like one of the greatest life lessons you can teach kids, right? Is how can I make this fun enough to find the motivation to do it? A hundred percent. And there's lots of things we all have to do as adults that we don't want to do. So, <laughs> you know, I listen, I don't want to put my clothes away, but if I reward myself with watching something or getting to do something after with my clean clothes, I'm an adult and I still struggle with it. And yeah. I have no shame putting it out there because I hate it, yeah. but finding ways to get it done, it helps. Right. And so part of what you do is you help kids find a way to get it done in a way that works for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. And, and we work, especially post-COVID, we work with kids all over the country now. And it's just so amazing to hear from parents how much their lives have changed. And I know that that's the same thing through coaching, that you guys get this feeling and reaction from the parents and from any of the, the clients that you work with that oh my gosh, if I had only known. Yeah. yeah. But let's look forward. We can't beat ourselves up for what we didn't know. We can only say that what we know, when we know better, we can do better. And, forward from- and I remind parents, you did the best you could with the, the information you, you had, had at the time, right? That's right? And don't worry so far in advance. That's the other thing I always say. Yeah. Fearing forward. Yeah. 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 That's, that a, that's a good. Oh yeah. Um, that's a good one. Or the dark version of it is, let's not bleed before we're cut. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. I'm not worried about an 11-year-old going to college. Let's not worry there. I actually had a real coaching conversation with a mom of a 12-year-old who was freaking out about potato chips on the floor. And we finally figured out it's because she was afraid she wouldn't take care of her apartment at 24. Because she also had a 24-year-old. And so then if we were able to sort of take that catastrophizing out of it, uh-huh, she could be uh-huh. present to, let's help the 12-year-old clean up the potato chips. Yep, the yep, exactly. I mean, exactly. where we are. Exactly. But it's so true. It's so true. And we, we, we forget. But, you know, that's what's the, the beauty of having somebody in your life like you or an educational therapist to help yep. break it down and say, okay, let's really look at what's going on and how can we help the kid. So great segue for me, because believe it or not, we're starting to run low on time. Um, How can people find you and get in touch with you? So people can find me two ways. My practice is called My Ed Therapist, www.myedtherapist.com. And on all the ways of social, My Ed Therapist. Right. And um, the other way is through my podcast. Amazing um, which podcast. Is, thank you. Which, which you have inspired been on. us in our podcast. I will say. <laughs> you have been on several times. Um, it's called Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast that I co-host with Rachel Cap, And it's on all the things as well. So, you know, I like to tell people, check all those things out. Find there's something that's going to resonate with you. And if I can help in any way, reach out to me. I'm here. Yeah. And so, so accessible and so available and so wise in, in, in the work that you do. Thank so you. is there anything else you want to share with our listeners today or something you hope parents will take away from today? I hope that parents take away that their things can get better. Yeah. They really can. And just figuring out first the why things are hard and then figuring out the how to make it better um, is something that, you know, we all do in this profession. You know, it's similar. How can we help? How can we make things better? And they will get better. It might, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. So if you can keep that in mind, you will get there. Right. I wonder where, where you got that marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> so we like to ask our guests at the end of every show um, do you have a favorite quote or motto that you'd like to share? 
You know, I was thinking about this and I, I feel like I said some of my mottos already, but um, <laughs> it's okay. You can repeat it. So I think the one thing that I just, I constantly say to parents is let's teach our kids how to hold themselves up. And that is, I, I find myself repeating that over and over and over again. Let's so, teach our kids how to hold themselves up. Great. That's what we'll walk away with. I think that's a perfect button to close the show. So, Steph, thanks for being here with me. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. It was and so when, good to see when you. Rachel, when Rachel's back, we'll have you both again. But yeah, that would be so fun. Chance yeah, to yeah, have yeah. Conversation. I agree. Um, our guest has been Stephanie Pitts, myedtherapist.com. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yep. And the podcast, again, is Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. Awesome. And I want to thank you for being here. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. Um, remember that what you're doing for your kids and for yourself makes a difference. Yeah. So thanks for it. being here, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.